Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 92 with our guest, Misty Thompson. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Imagine this worst case scenario. Your sibling goes missing and after a grueling 55 day search, you receive the devastating news that her body has been discovered in the Arizona desert. It's an apparent murder that to this day remains unsolved. You are left with more questions than answers and further, you work in the state's prison where showing any kind of emotion or vulnerability is not allowed or encouraged and is seen as a sign of weakness. So how in the world do you process this and handle the grief you so desperately need to work through? This is the real life story of our guest today. Meet Misty Thompson. Misty lived through this horrific ordeal and has successfully navigated her way through the grieving process. She's the author of the new book, From Grief to Acceptance, and is an intuitive spiritual life coach. Misty is here to discuss how we can shift the paradigm of judgment through the grieving process to compassion and integrate this as our new norm in life and business. I'm ready to go. Help me welcome Misty Thompson. How are you? Thank you. You're doing well. Yeah, it's so exciting to be here. Good. Likewise. So, so good to have you. Whew. So many places to begin. So let me start here. Let's just, let's just talk about grief as a whole. Sure. It's, why do you think from your experience now, we know that grief is such a universal experience. It's something we're all I- inevitably going to experience at some point or at multiple points in our lives. Why do you think then it has this stigma where it's not given the proper respect? Why does it have uh, this, this air and this sign of showing weakness if you were to properly grieve for yourself as such a human nature part of, 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 of everything we're doing here? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, people don't really know how to talk about it uh, because everybody grieves differently. So it's not like you can say, oh, this is what's going to happen because we don't understand 
how each of us are going to to experience it and you know you could have two people going through the same grieving or have a sibling and two other siblings that are alive and they're going to experience it totally different and you know and i think it's hard for people to pinpoint that and you know showing weakness maybe shows that for some people that they're too attached to a person or and it's you know don't you know a lot of us have shields up and i have at one point because we don't want to get hurt and i think if you show weakness it shows that hey i do care and you know i can't let people know i care then they're going to treat me differently you know <laughs> So yeah, it's just, it's a really difficult thing to talk about and to, to, you know, heal from for sure. So your, your story, um, so many elements to it. Um, your sister went missing in the summer of 1993. So that's uh, almost yeah. 26 years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, she was, she was 23 at the time. Yes. And you were at the time and mm -hmm. you were how old? I was uh, just turned 25. We're 18 months apart. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so you guys grew up close, I imagine. Yes. So close, you know, we had that love hate thing going on <laughs> as siblings do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it was just the two of you mm -hmm. as the siblings the in the family. Yeah. No other siblings. Well, so, um, going through this process, I, um, I can't imagine, um, you know, anything remotely close to that specific thing. So it happens in 1993, 55 days later, you get that um, horrific news. And now, um, what are you doing in life professionally? Are you in the prison system yet, working in the prison? Yeah, I was already working for the prison. Um, and I had three children, three small children. Oh, you had three children at that time? Yeah, yes. Wow. Um, my oldest daughter was seven. And I have twins and they were like two and a half at the time. Oh, so you had to now forgetting about your professional career. Now you have to figure out how you're going to show up with and for them. Through yeah, this very unique. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, and my daughter, um, she was pretty attached to her aunt. So it was really difficult to try to explain what was going on to a seven-year-old, you know? Well, and, and I'm sure with, I, I mean, 55 days of the unknown is one thing. How do we, how do we talk about this? How do I process it? How do I share it with these young children? Yes. And then when you get the, the news of what's happened, still all these unanswered questions, but then you have a whole other scenario to determine, forget about how I'm going, you know, what, what's the grieving process alike uh, ahead of me, but now how is it, how is a mother did you, do you even begin to, to bring that to the table? For yeah, it's, you know, I tried to be as honest as possible. Of course, my boys, my twins, they were two and a half, so they didn't really know too much. But my daughter was kind of involved and she was, you know, most kids that age, pretty curious, asking a lot of whys. And, you know, I just tried to be as honest as I could without being, you know, there was a lot of behind the scenes, um, things that I didn't really want her to be involved with or know about. So on top of being there for my mom to mm. support her and whatever she needed, you know, I had my job, I had my children and I kind of had to put all my, my feelings and things on hold because I was trying to be there for other people and try to decide, you know, and that's like I was saying, the, the wall goes up. You know, I try to be just numb from everything. 
So between that family life and I know the juxtaposition of you're working in a federal prison, we spoke about that, yeah. and uh, you admitted that that's not the place to, uh, to break down, to take a moment, to show any weakness. So where, where did you find any outlet in your uh, time in a day while you weren't sleeping? Yeah, you know what? That's, I think what a lot of people do is I just kind of, I, I just didn't absorb it. I just blocked it. Mm. And I, instead of dealing with it, I pushed it down and I ignored it as best as I could. And it's like, mm. I tried to um, imagine that this wasn't really my life. It was just kind of like, I was just going through mm. the motions kind of thing. That's not healthy. <laughs> I know that now, but I think a lot of people do that. They just kind of numb themselves whether they push it down, whether they um, turn to drugs and alcohol or whatever it is for them. And, you know, and I was that same way. I just kind of threw myself into my work, you know, tried to do the best I could at work and just try to ignore distraction, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, we're we're all familiar with the uh, the standard known five stages of grief, and in your book here mm -hmm. again, a fascinating read from grief yeah. to acceptance. You talk about the five encouraging phases mm -hmm. of grief, and uh, I'll, I'll read them out here. You talk sure. about love over fear, mm -hmm. vulnerability over shame, compassion over judgment, forgiveness over resentment and gratitude over guilt. Tell me how you, um, how did you navigate through that? How and why did you come up with that? Yes. Um, well, like I was saying at the beginning, I wrote my first book, By Your Side, and it was about my sister's, um, a lot of it was about her missing, and it was, it I took a lot of it from my mom's journals. And as I was writing that, I had thought I had dealt with the grief, and I hadn't. And with that, all of these things started coming through. And that's when I started coming up with these five encouraging phases, because, you know, like you said, we have this standard, you know, oh, you're going to go through anger, denial, blah. And they're just so heavy and dense and depressing. And don't get me wrong. I went through those, but I was, I'll just say, I was told by my sister that look at it from this point of view, look at it from this, you know, we're all going to lose people. And first and foremost, love is so important, whether it's, um, and at the time, my sister and I didn't show each other a lot of love. We had the sibling rivalry, but in that moment when she had passed and she was coming to me while she was missing, I knew there was something bigger and I knew that she did truly love my divine being. So yeah, so all of those just kind of started um, showing themselves as I was writing the book by your side. And, you know, it came from my sister, like, look at it from this perspective. You know, it's okay to um, show your emotions. You just have to, I mean, obviously you're not going to be in the middle of the grocery store breaking down every day of, but, you know, be mindful of that. But it's okay if you need a moment to stay in your room and cry. That's okay. Or I was at work when all of this was going on. And all of a sudden I was typing away and I just started crying. And um, thank goodness my, my supervisor, he understood. And so we have a psychology department. So he walked me over to psychology 
and I was able to take some time. Um, so, I mean, you know, you just have to, to know it's okay to be vulnerable and all of those things. But I learned all of this from my sister after she passed. We're going to get deep into that. But one thing you said stuck out that you, um, you took a lot from your mom's journal. What, yes. what was that? She was, she was deliberately yes. keeping notes and writing. Day, yeah. Yeah. My mom knew from the moment, um, cause she talked to us almost every day and she knew something was wrong and she went to the local law enforcement, to the sheriff's office. They did not want anything to do with it. They didn't believe her. They thought she was crazy. That's a whole nother story. There's a big problem with all of that. But, um, so my mom documented everything, every single day, what was going on for 55 days, even afterwards, actually every day, this is who I contacted. This is what happened. This is what I did. This is what I didn't do. I mean, she documented everything, you know, like, Oh, even if she was feeling good, I'm feeling pretty good today. You know, I, I feel very hopeful, you know, just whatever was coming up for her that day. So a lot of the book of By Your Side, I took from her journals. And a lot of it, I didn't even know. She protected me during that time because of my job, mm. because of my children. You know, she didn't, we didn't know what was happening and what was going on and what was happening. You know, she, my sister was missing. We did not know or understand. So my mom did the best she could to protect me and my kids um, and my husband, he's now my ex-husband, but my husband at the time to keep me out of all of that. So, so 55 days, and this is 1993. So this yeah. is pre cell phones, uh, oh, yeah. pre email, all of that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So during that time, especially during the, the first days and maybe the first weeks, is this just looked at as a missing person's case? And I, I imagine you all within your family and you personally, you had to keep hope alive. Yes. Right. Sure. Yeah, we definitely did. It was um, kind of considered a missing persons, but um, you know, small town politics and all of that. My sister was involved with the not so great group of people and the sheriff at the time was, you know, not that up and up. And, and she knew some things about him that she was threatening to expose. And then all of a sudden she comes up missing. So there's like a whole conspiracy of what really happened. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're saying your sister knew yeah. things about the sheriff of the town? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, what happened was... My sister, like I said, she was involved with some people that weren't very up and up. So she was with her ex-husband. Her ex-husband owned a tire business here in town. And, but he would have drugs coming, being shipped in from like Tucson in these tires. Mm. Well, supposedly the sheriff knew about this and her ex-husband was a snitch and he would let the sheriff know, Hey, I sold drugs to this person, this person, this person. Mm. And then the sheriff would go make drug busts. Wow. And so it made him look great that, hey, I'm getting these drugs off the street. Well, my sister knew about all this and she was threatening to come forward. And then a few days wow. later, yeah, she came up missing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, wow. It's a crazy story. 
<laughs> yeah. So tell me now about these. Um, you, you've been saying that you were uh, through this process, you were told by your sister mm-hmm. and, and, and your sister's with you. Tell me really what that means, what that looks like. What is yeah. that relationship today? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, yeah, she was coming to me. Um, we were having conversations and I still feel that today. And I, I feel like I'm closer to her now than I was back then. But in order for her to move on, you know, they say to move towards the light. She needed me to forgive her because like I said, we had that sibling rivalry and we did not get along at times. And so I, of course, had to forgive her. I didn't have to. I wanted to forgive her. And as a result, she was able to move you know, where she needed to go. And I was able to move forward a little bit more with my life. And it was interesting because I feel like we helped each other spiritually. We both helped each other. I helped her in the sense of forgiveness. She helped me in the sense of being able to see the bigger picture because I knew she was okay. I knew she wasn't going to be found or at that time. I knew it was going to be later. I knew that it didn't matter how she died. I knew that and I knew I was okay with it way before my mom was. And I, um, I just lived my life knowing that there was a bigger thing out there, a bigger purpose, a bigger energy source, God, whatever people want to call it. And my sister was now part of it as most people who pass away are. And now today she guides me all the time. I retired four years ago as a result I have my business now. I see clients. I am creating online courses. You know, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing this show. I'm, you know, doing books and it's all because of my sister. You know, these opportunities are given to me and I know without a doubt, I mean, of course I'm open to them. I'm choosing to step into those opportunities, but my sister is right there with me, guiding me, helping me making sure I'm doing what's best for my good. Do you think, yeah. Do you think we all have that ability to connect with loved ones who have passed? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think people do more than they realize it. You know, it's one of those things like a song will come on the radio and it'll be like, Oh my gosh, that reminds me of my mom or my love, you know, my husband, wife, whatever. And you know, it's, it kind of makes you feel sad or it kind of gives you chills. That is your loved one, you know, reaching out saying, Hey, I'm still here. I'm with you. You know, that kind of thing. You know, we see these things all the time or they do come to people in their dreams or, you know, just coincidences that that reminds you of your loved ones. Those are messages from your loved ones. Those are signs that they are with you um, still today. One of the most powerful chapters in the book that still resonates with me that seems quite obvious is when you were going through the, the anger and resentment for mm-hmm. it, saying, well, well, why did she have to allow that to happen? Why did she make those choices? If this, if that, if then, I'm sure that was uh, extremely powerful and uh, emotionally charged for you. How do you get on the other side of that? Because that seems like such an easy path for anybody to go down in that situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, and it's faith. It's trust. It's believing. 
that there is a reason for these things. Um, you know, believing that God or creator has a bigger purpose for them and for us. And that's how it started for me. I believed and I had faith and I trusted, um, all those things I learned from the Bible, you know, that, and I don't want to get too religious, but that's where it stemmed from, for me is, you know, realizing that there is something bigger and better. And I do believe without a doubt that my sister would have passed away some, somehow, um, at that time, but she chose how it happened. And, and, and I say that because she chose her life and she chose to associate with her ex-husband who was not a very great person. Um, and so we make choices like that every day. And as a result, she passed away, but I do believe that she was going to pass anyway. And I know that's kind of getting deep, but it could have been a car accident. It could have been, but you know, I feel like, and I do believe this, that, we are on a path and our path is written for us loosely, but we make choices and we make, you know, we have free will so we can make those choices, how it's going to happen for us. And for her, she chose that. And it was so hard for me to understand that. Like, why would you do that? Why, why would you get involved with the wrong people? You had to know this wasn't going to end well, you know, and I'm, in my mind, I'm yelling at her, you know, I'm, I'm upset with her. But then I realized that we do have free will and that was her choice. And it's not my, it's not up to me to decide and, and judge it. It's not up to me to say, oh, it's right or wrong. That's not up to me. That's her life. And that's what my life is about. I get to make my free will choices and they're different than hers. And that's perfectly okay. And that's how it is definitely supposed to be. So I'm currently reading the book, The Seat of the Soul. And mm, it, yeah. it, it touches upon that whole thing that you just uh, uh, detailed, where our soul is here to experience all of this. And when it when it receives all of the knowledge and things that it needs to, it it willfully releases from the body and uh, and carries on mm-hmm. uh, by choice. And it also gets into um, karma and paying karmic debts and all that. Uh, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. I've actually yeah, heard yeah. that. It's, yeah. yeah. And it's the more I learn about that, the more it makes so much sense to me for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. I, 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 I want to get a sense of your upbringing um, in the context of your family with your sister growing up. What was life like for you growing up as a child? It was pretty chaotic. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was the 70s, you know, um, Again, no cell phones, nothing like that, you know, and, you know, my mom and dad didn't always get along and my mom and dad got together because my mom got pregnant with me. So right there, then and there, it was, you know, back then it was like, you got her pregnant, you'll marry her, you know, that kind of thing. And 
they really should not have been together long term. They just didn't get along. My dad had a temper. Um, yeah, so it was just very up and down. My mom and dad would fight a lot. We would leave. My mom would take us and leave. We lived in the Phoenix area. We would come to to Thatcher, Stafford area where my grandmother lived. And then we would go back and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And finally, when I was 10, my mom and dad divorced and mm. my mom stayed here, remarried. And then again, it was still kind of chaotic with my stepdad. Didn't make it any better. That's for sure. So during all of that, my sister definitely, you know, took those experiences. And I believe she took it more to heart than mm. I did. And I think that's what kind of guided her to these choices. She didn't really feel like she belonged or fit in. And here, mm. I thought I was the one who didn't fit in, you know, but it's really interesting. But, you know, my dad and my mom and my mom is doing a lot better now, but my dad still carries a lot of guilt because he feels like he could have been a better father. And, and, you know, I, I try to explain to him, you know, I lived through the same experiences. And I did okay. So a lot of it is free will, you know, so, as we grow older. So you have a, you have a relationship with both mm -hmm. of your parents today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 My dad yeah. doesn't live, my dad lives in Arizona. He lives in Northern Arizona. I don't see him that much, but I do talk to him. And even when my mom and dad were divorced, I did, we used to go visit my dad regularly, you know, as much as we could, uh, summers, you know, some holidays, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, my sister, I think she just had a different way of, of dealing with all of the chaos and mm. turmoil that we were experiencing. Me, I used it to fuel me to be better and to realize I don't want to live like that. And I don't want my children to live like that someday. Um, my sister took it as this is how we're supposed to live, but it's supposed to be more chaotic. You know, her life was a lot of chaos too, so... What led you into the prison system? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it was a good job for the area and my daughter was young. So I needed a good job with benefits. And here in this town, it's a very small town. So we can either um, work for the mine. We have a copper mine here in town, or we can work for a state prison or a federal prison. Those are the good jobs. And I chose the federal prison because I felt like that was the best job <laughs> and it gave me benefits to help with my daughter. So, yeah, so that's how I was there. Honestly, I did not plan on staying there forever. <laughs> well, it felt like forever, but it really wasn't. So, but, um, ended up, I started as a secretary and I just moved my way up. And when I retired in 2015, I was a department head and I had, you know, I was running the business office and, so I had moved, I had made my way up. And then as I got closer to retirement, I did realize, wow, we're federal law enforcement officers. I can retire and, you know, I only have to work 25 years. I mean, you can't say that, you know, at a whole lot of places. So I stuck well, with it. And, yeah. How, how quote unquote different mm -hmm. do you think everything would have been for your process if you were just in uh, corporate America at a desk working a nine to five with all the freedom that you could handle. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it would, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That's for sure. Tell and, me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that way a hundred percent because I would still be working and I would have just kept ignoring my calling. I would have pushed it down, pushed it down, which so many of us do because we have to pay the bills. So we just take the job that we can get and you know, Oh, I, you know, I know people I work with my clients, they would much rather be doing something else, whatever it is. And they just can't because fear, um, they can't because they have a decent job now and they can't let it go. Cause what if I don't get money and what if, you know, the fear thing kind of co comes in, no doubt in my mind, I would have been right there with them. I would have been experiencing the fear like, Oh, I can't, I can't leave this job. You know, I, I don't want to leave this job. I'm afraid, you know, that kind of thing. So I definitely would not be where I'm at today. So what for was it specifically about the uh, prison environment mm -hmm. that allowed you to get to this? Yeah. Well, um, interestingly enough, you know, it wasn't a lot of freedom, like you said, because I couldn't be vulnerable. I had to block my emotions um, but the good thing about it was I learned so much from different people because it was a prison. We had different types of people there and we had different staff from all over the United States. We had inmates from Mexico, even illegal aliens. And we had from all over, all over the United States. So I got to see, um, and learn from all different types of people. And interestingly too, I learned more um, from the inmates than the staff and the inmates were, I learned, I had a better relationship with inmates than I did with staff in a sense, because with the inmates, as long as you were fair and you were honest with them, you didn't have a problem, but it's, you know, um, the staff, some of them were kind of sneaky and, you know, insecure where inmates were just like, Hey, this is it. Here I am, you know, and, and I could, I could, um, well, I could, I could, I'm trying to be a little politically correct. I don't want to, but you know, with the inmates, as long as I was up front with them, they were fine with me. I had more problems with staff than inmates, honestly. And, um, so and it sounds like everything was was designed perfectly mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah, like, it really was. At the know. time, it didn't seem like it. Um, and I think with a lot of people, it is designed perfectly for their life too. But, you know, we focus a lot on the bad, just like the stages of grief, all the heavy, dark, dense emotions. It's always the negative part of things. And people look at the bad things of, of their life or their career instead of what can I learn from this to advance me? And that's exactly what happened. And a lot of it, without a doubt, my sister, like I was saying, my sister guided me, not necessarily with the prison. I was already working there, but opportunities that allowed me to retire when I could. And, you know, um, yeah, just learning from the inmates and those kinds of things and the job, you know, um, it is crazy because being a department head, I, you know, we have to do these collateral duties and mine was public information officer, not realizing that I would be someday doing 
television interviews, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these kind of interviews, whereas I've had, you know, formal training for media relations because I was that public information officer at the prison. At the time, I had no clue that was going to happen, but opportunity presented itself. I knew there was a reason why more than just the prison. And I took, I, I stood up and I volunteered. Well, I was kind of voluntold, but I love I, that term. Yeah. Voluntold, but I did step up and I owned <laughs> it and I, and I took it and I, um, instead of complaining about it, I took it and I knew that someday I'm going to, I'm going to use this to my benefit. Don't know how, don't know why, don't know where, when, but I'm going to look at the positive of it and take that, that, you know, collateral duty that I was told, voluntold to do, and I was going to move on. And I looked at the positive from it. And as a result, it is helping me now in the future. Mm. Instead of complaining about it, I looked at the positive of it. What did you learn most about yourself? Because I can imagine at times like this, you have to, you're, you're faced with an honesty about you as a person, what you're capable of and what you're made of. Mm -hmm. What comes yeah. up there? Well, it's funny because, you know, we all do this to ourselves and I'm still guilty of it. I still don't feel like I'm that strong or I've accomplished that much. I just I, I mean, I have learned that um, I can I can be who I am, and I'm and it's okay, and I should be who I am. So it's funny that I learned about that it's okay to be who I truly am, and I need to own it, and I and I am embracing that. And the more I do that, the more happiness I'm finding in my life. So it's kind of funny. It kind of. Uh, around in a circle but yeah that's I learned about myself exactly that that I can truly be who I am and it's okay um but I do feel like there's so much more I need to do and there I feel like there's so much more that I need to accomplish and I don't really feel like I have accomplished that much because so many people can do that too if they just listen to their inner guidance and they just throw fear out the window and just take up on opportunities that are presented to them and not question them. You know? Well, and I think that's what I did. Well, now you're speaking my language. I mean, this whole brand, the hidden entrepreneur was created uh, out of the fact that I was hiding all of yeah. my power, standing behind fear, using that as an excuse. Um, what's, what's one of the biggest tips you can give us for releasing that judgment and, and just moving through it? If we have to yeah. start somewhere. Yeah, definitely. The first thing is to honestly just know you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, and the more you judge others and yourself, the more you're going to be judged. So just have an awareness of that. You know, you have to remember that we've had these habits for so long. It's not going to happen overnight. So being patient with yourself, but having that awareness and just, you know, just even that one little time a day, just having an awareness and switching the comment to from judgment to something positive will make a huge difference because you do it once. It's going to 
build more and more and more. Yeah, I, I get it. I spent, um, I, I spent all my life with this um, story perpetuating in my head. And uh, so it was, it's, you know, yeah. be patient. You there? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm it sorry. Was, it was frozen. You're back. There you are. Yay. Whew. I asked my sister and the angels to clear that up. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I was saying that, uh, yeah, the um, uh, having self-awareness has become a, uh, a strong part of my, of my now knowledge and um, reframing the story in my head. It was years of uh, this, this false story that I was perpetuating for myself over and over again. That's exactly what it is. And again, it's, um, you have to be patient and you have to change that dialogue. And, and yeah, it's been going on for years. So it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, that's the, that's the strongest thing right there. But slowly but surely, day yeah. by day, moment by moment, that's the only way. People yeah. want that result, uh, the only way it can happen. Like I say, today we're recording episode 91. Do you know how I got to episode 91? One episode at a time. And yes. that's the same, same process for working on myself and uh, no longer hiding and putting my best foot forward and giving my best and being mm -hmm. my best for now, which should and will always improve along the way, but it's a slow and steady process. And that's really what you have to come to terms with. Just replace one small thing every day. And that builds on itself by Absolutely. definition, no other option. That's correct. Absolutely. That's what I do. I still do it. I'm sure you do too. You know, oh we're God. thriving and striving. You know, we want to be the best that we can be. And we have to do it in baby steps for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How are your children today? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, my oldest daughter is now 33 and my twins are 27. Wow. And I have a younger daughter now, she's 16. But um, yeah, they're all good. Um, you know, they, my boys don't really remember my, my sister, but my, my oldest daughter does. And, you know, hmm. it's so interesting because my oldest daughter has a lot of my sister in her. It's so weird. And I tell her that all the time. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that's just another example of how our loved ones come through. But yeah, they're doing good. They all work for the mine here in Safford, or my daughter works in Tucson. But yeah, my daughter, she went to school. She's a microbiologist. Um, my boys, they work at the mine, copper mine. So they're all doing really good and they all have kids of their own now. Hmm. Yeah. So taking all of this and putting it into practice, how does all of this translate to a better life and business as you've seen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's working through grief, but it's more than that because it's building, like you said, you're, you're building yourself, you're, you're making yourself stronger and realizing that there, there's really nothing you can't do. So when you're feeling through judgments, true. you know, it doesn't matter if it's grief or working, you know, we, there's judgments everywhere, but working on this little piece will definitely expand. And when you're happier, the world around you will be happier. And setting that example for people 
even people you don't know, just being nice to somebody at the grocery store will brighten their day. And so it is, I know it might sound cheesy, but it will change the world. You know, it will change your world and eventually it will have that ripple effect. That's what it's about. Tell us about a time uh, you were frozen in fear and you knew Mm -hmm. you had to work through it. Yeah. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, (laughs) um, I, I think the one that sticks out was definitely working at the prison. Um, it was being or having to deal with the inmates for the first time. That really sticks out to me. Um, another time is um, working, funny enough, the, um, that training, the media training I went to. Because I wanted to do such a good job. And I wanted to prove to myself that I was okay, that I started getting really nervous because I knew there was something much bigger than, than just doing media for the prison. I knew it. I couldn't explain it, didn't understand it. it I was scared to death. I was sick. And at the time, I did ask my sister to help me. So, um, and she did, I made it through. But, you know, that is, and I know that might be not what you were expecting but that totally threw me for a loop and again I think it was maybe not necessarily the media training but the fact that there was something bigger that I was going to put to use because of that and I knew that and I was scared because like I I have to go through this process like I have to do what I'm doing I have to help people through their grief it's not an option And it's scary sometimes, you know, because you're reliving all of those feelings. So it's just knowing that I was going to have to expand on that media training. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that you had the awareness to know, okay, um, I'm scared out of my mind for this media training, but I also know that, that, that this isn't the, the means to the end. Mm-hmm. There is something so much bigger that this is prepping me for at, oh, yeah. a, at, a, at a future time unknown. And that is applicable in every way to what we are doing in every regard, in every moment, no matter what the deal is, no matter what we feel is scaring us or, or, or that we're fearful of, go through it because you will become the stronger, better person for it just by the nature of experiencing it. And is that a frozen misty? She'll be back. She always returns. We'll hold, we'll wait. Well, in the meantime, thank you all for, uh, for commenting and, and joining us here. It's good to have you. Oh, looks like she popped off the line. I'm sure she'll be back. We'll give it uh, 30 or 60 seconds, and uh, I'm sure she'll return to us. We'll just wait. How are you feeling, though? You have thoughts about this? Comments? Let me Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You're back. We're good. I'm back. Yeah. Here we good go. Good to see you. I knew yeah. you'd be back. That's what I was saying. 
so yes, uh, to recap, I was, you know, that, that, that whole thing is just uh, phenomenal how you knew you saw the bigger picture uh-huh. of that this yeah. moment. And uh, again, you have to, you have to give yourself that, um, that scenario that, okay, whether I want this or not, like this or not, am fearful of this or not, it's, there's something bigger and better because yeah. of this. Naturally, that's, that's all it's about. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's what, what, that's the difference between like, well, you and me and I'm, it's not that it's better or anything, but stepping through the fear, you know, once you do it, you're like, what was I so worried about? It's ridiculous, you know, but some people are just so stuck in fear that they don't step forward. And that is a huge disservice to all of us because we don't know what they're afraid of, um, great things that they could be accomplishing, mm. but stuck in fear. And that's just, I've realized that fear is just the, the mind. It's the brain just trying to protect us. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And from whatever it is, failure, success, whatever it is. And we just need to tell the brain to shut up a little bit and just mm-hmm. do it anyways. Yeah. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, mm-hmm. what conversation would you have with that person? Yeah. I, you know, that would be, I wish you could do that really, because I would tell myself that, you know what, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, um, it's awesome who you are because I had low self-esteem growing when I was like a teenager. We, most of us do, um, that, it's great that you are not like everybody else. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. And it's great that you can connect with people who have passed away and your life is going to be amazing. Just step through, just take that step. Don't be afraid. Hmm. I mean, I wish I could go back and tell myself that that would have saved me a lot of heartache. (laughs) Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I do. Yeah, I do. Everything happens for a reason. There is no doubt in my mind, my sister and I were placed together so she can help me help other people and I could learn from her tragedy. No doubt in my mind. So um, it happens for a reason. And sometimes, like I was saying, we make those free will choices, but even those, eventually we will come back to what we were supposed to learn. It might be in a different way. It might be a more difficult way, but yeah, everything happens for a reason without a doubt. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? I'm spiritual for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely spiritual. And what do you believe happens when it's all over? When our Mm -hmm. time here on earth comes to an end? Um, I, I just think that we change forms, you know, um, I, I just think that we're just using this body temporarily and there is no end. I mean, there's end to the physical sense, but there is no end. The soul will always live on forever. Mm, beautiful. How do we, how do we wrap this up into a nice, nice, beautiful bow for our listeners? What are we really talking about here? What is this all about? What are they, uh, what are they expected to do? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, they are supposed to be who they are supposed to be. They are supposed to follow their passion and they're supposed to be um, their true self without fear. Um, Fear's there for a reason, for the fight or flight kind of thing, but not because you are supposed to be afraid to, 
to live your purpose. They need to live their purpose. Um, and again, they're doing a disservice to me, to you, because it's that ripple effect. When they're happy living their purpose, things will, the ripple effect will occur. So, you know, when you think of it that way, it's like, it's my duty to follow my purpose. And like you were saying, you know, asking me if there, if everything happens for a reason, it absolutely does, which tells me that our creator did not make a mistake by making us because there's a reason for it. And it's up to us to step into that. Um, it's our duty to step into that. And it's our duty to, to live our purpose, to help each other and to learn so our soul can expand. With that message, what is the very next thing that mm -hmm. anybody listening can do, put into action? Yeah, for that. Um, what I would suggest, the first thing that's coming to my mind, and I call them my downloads. So my download is telling me that people need to, a basic step would be just to journal. Daydream, journal, write down what it is you, you want, you want to do without fear of, or without thoughts of, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. True. Write it down. And once you do that, you're putting it into motion. Mm -hmm. Great. I fully agree. Couldn't agree more. I do that. I do that every day. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, it's the thing. Uh, yeah. I will, I will leave you with this final question. Misty mm -hmm. Thompson. Yes. How would you like to be remembered? Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely, well, first, I want to be remembered, you know, I want my children to remember me that I always did the best I could because that's, that's all we ever do. You know, we always do the best we, we can do. But I want people to remember me that I stood for who I really was. I was, I might have been afraid, but I pushed through it and I was my true self. And as a result of me being my true self, I was able to help people, help them with their purpose, discovering their purpose. Absolutely beautiful. As you are, Misty, I thank Ooh. you for, of course, I thank you for uh, joining us, for showing up, for opening up, for really uh, giving us what you did today. Really cool to have you on. Thank you. I totally enjoyed it. It was great being here. Glad to hear that. And uh, I hope it was great being here for everybody tuning in, whether it's to the live broadcast or the native podcast in its native format, either on Apple, Google, or Spotify, whatever the case, head on over, leave a little review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you want to share this, that will be good too, to let other people know uh, you found value from it. We're going to do this again before too long. Thank you for spending your time with us. Until we do it again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>